This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Okay, so Tess, I am so excited to hear your story and just hear all about you. Um, You have quite a big following on Instagram. So can you tell us a little bit about your Instagram and kind of what you do? Yes. Okay. So I am the Enneagram mama on Instagram. Um, I started about two years ago, just sharing the Enneagram and um, which is basically like a personality test. And it has honestly just changed my life. I am just so grateful. Like it blows my mind every day, how many people follow me and talk to me. And I just feel very blessed to be able to be in people's lives and help make a difference and help people in their marriages and to understand themselves better. So yeah, it's just, it's been quite the journey a very one that was kind of unexpected. That is so awesome. I love that so much. Well, um, okay. So I am so excited to just hear your story. So if you want to just go ahead and jump in and start from the beginning, we'd love to, would love to hear it. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. I, so I grew up a member of the church. Um, that is kind of what I've known, but I also grew up in a household that, um, my stepdad was Catholic. Um, so we went to midnight mass often. Like we celebrated like other cultures and religions a lot of the times because my grandparents visited Africa often or Japan or like, so we celebrated a lot of religion and cultures and that was kind of my norm. Um, but I was very much like a strict, like I was trying to be like perfect, like literally, you know, like anywhere in the book of Mormon that it was like, be perfect, be there perfect. And I was like, okay, that's the goal, right? I'm going to be perfect. And um, I, I wasn't, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like that might be a spoiler alert, but I like, I wasn't. And so I actually got married when I was 19. Um, we got married in the temple and I was divorced by 21. And that was a really hard place to navigate. And at that point, um, like we had taken off our garments, I started drinking and I had no knowledge that I was a severe alcoholic. Um, I used it to kind of numb the pain, uh, 99% of the time, um, because I was pretty sure like, well, if I'm not going to be perfect, then I might as well just like, just like literally go off the rails. Um, I, and I did, like, I literally went off the rails. I ended up living with a boyfriend who was severely abusive, um, for a little over a year. And I would like hide alcohol in my drinks just to go to sleep at night because like I was in so much, like looking at that time, like I was in so much emotional, physical pain that, and like not having any kind of anchor I literally just felt like I was like living someone else's life. Cause I was like, this is not me. Like, this is not who I am. Um, so I ended up at, like, I left that boyfriend and, um, was just really trying to find myself. And, um, I ended up getting alcohol poisoning at a party and I was so sick. I like, Oh my gosh, I was the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. And I just like couldn't stop throwing up and just, just like for an entire day, I probably should have been hospitalized. (laughs) Like I, I was that bad. Um, but like I, and I had no one 
during that time. Like no one was checking on me. No, like it was literally like, I felt like death and I just kind of was literally at that rock bottom. Like I had hit it <laughs> and I was laying there and I said a prayer and said, Heavenly Father, which this is like the first prayer I'd said in like two years. And I said, Heavenly Father, if you, if you'll just heal me, I will never drink again. Um, I like, I'm ready for this change. I'm I, like, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do. And within a half an hour, I went from like deathly ill to like, oh, I feel fine now. And I was like, oh, I have to keep that promise. Because yeah. <laughs> he kept my promise on his end. And so after that, I started going to church again. It was really interesting because I I was still like kind of sick for the next couple of days. And I actually went on um, my first date with my husband <laughs> while I still had alcohol poisoning and I had told him that I had the flu because <laughs> he was this like cute little guy that I met on like what was the LDS planet at the time or whatever and I was like oh I have the flu and I realized like through our date like crap this isn't like a person I can lie to and so I I like just kind of told him everything I was like so I actually have alcohol poisoning but I'm not drinking ever again I'm like, just like and he's like okay <laughs> He's it was just like, such uh... an interesting thing. Like, he's like, okay, like, just odd, cute little girl. Anyway, so um, I ended up being, so, like, we ended up getting married. I was disfellowshipped from the church a little while after um, after we had gotten together. And so I spent that next year working really hard to come back because um, as I was trying to be so perfect and thought that that's what Christ was looking for, I had no idea that Christ was never looking for anybody perfect at his table. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think even now that's something I'm still learning. And I have now been sober for almost 11 years. Um, my husband and I got married in the temple or sealed in the temple a year after we got married. Um, I have three beautiful boys and I'm able to give them a life that I never, I, because I had gone off the rails, I wouldn't have been able to give this life to my children. Right. And one of the biggest things when I left my ex was like, I, I never wanted my children to be talked to the way I was getting talked to. Right. And I wanted my children to be raised by a good man. Mm -hmm. And I like, I literally look at my life and even though I'm in a really hard season right now, um, I just think like how different it wouldn't have been if I wouldn't have said that prayer that night. And if I wouldn't have, I would have come back because I can't, even though like I've been through struggles in the last couple of years, I'm like, I can't leave because I've seen what my life is like on the flip side. And there was no joy. There was no happiness it was, it felt so lonely and being, being here, even in our, my hardship and my trials that I'm going through right now, there's, I'm not alone ever. And I know that. And I also know I don't have to look perfect because Jesus didn't invite the perfect people to his table because there wasn't perfect people. Right. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you talk about how you 
said a prayer. Um, I, I met recently with a group of researchers um, and what they're studying is uh, people coming back from a faith crisis and kind of what that is that brings them out of the faith crisis. And they said that almost every time it starts with them saying a prayer. And so I, and also the miracle of you being healed I've heard in the podcast, um, I've heard several people have similar experiences where it's like these miracles just happen and you can't really deny how incredible the the miracles are and how it's almost like, this is kind of my perception, I could be totally off base here, but it's almost like when you need God, like you're in this really dark place, you need him. And it's like, he will like make it so you can't deny that he's reaching his hand out for you. Like I had an experience where, cause I have, a, I can relate to your story so much. Um, I was a heroin addict and I was in rehab and I was in Fresno, California. And, um, I think I've probably shared this on the podcast before. So excuse me, listeners, if you've heard this before, but um, we'll listen again. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, um, so I'm at the Salvation Army and it's like, I'm the only member of the church. And I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't like an active member by any means, but like, I was the only one that had a background of the church that I knew of that was there. And, um, I'm like, oh, I just don't want to be here. Like, this sucks. I had to work in the warehouse 40 hours a week. And um, the preacher pulls me in his office and he's like, okay, Ashley, pick a Bible to use while you're here. And I pick, there's like a shelf with like 100 Bibles on it or something. And I'm like, I'll just pick the pink Bible. And he hands me the Bible. And there's a Book of Mormon bookmark in there. I knew in that moment that that was my miracle. And God was like, I am here you are in the right place. Like, it's almost like he just is evidently reaching out to, you know, you're just, you have blinders on, you're not ready to see. So it's like, he is intervening. And I feel like as we go along, and we're more, um, you know, we're, we're doing what's right, we're building our testimony. And as we go along, I think he requires more faith from us. Like those, those things, those miracles that are like slapping you in the face, they're not coming as frequently as they were in the beginning when you were first coming back. I think it requires more faith and more effort on our part to have that close connection with heaven. And, um, that's kind of my hypothesis anyways. Um, my mom, she, my mom refers to it as the two by four method because it takes a two by four to get us, get the message across to us. Yeah. And she's like, we're just not regular people. We're two by four people. (laughs) Yes, I can relate 100%. So where, during this time, where was your parents? Like when you were going through this, where, where was your parents? Were they like, you know, what did that look like? So I was actually, I had actually just moved back home, um, a couple weeks before I got alcohol poisoning. So I had been living by myself for a brief time in between this and I had just moved back home. And, um, that was kind of like, my parents knew I was really struggling, but I, I, I don't think anyone knew how much I was struggling, um, because I'm really good at faking it. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm an excellent baker. I could be like in the de- depths of despair and be like, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess she must be fine. <laughs> um, so I don't think they really knew. And that was kind of the weekend that they, when I got sick, they were like, oh, oh, you're going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And they literally were just like, like I went down to my room in the basement and they like left me there. Like mm-hmm. there was no, like, there was no communicate. It was just like, I think they were just really kind of disappointed. Yeah. Um, not like, cause I mean, I, I grew up in a family that like it, no matter what I was loved, mm-hmm. I was loved above all else, which I'm so grateful because like I had the abusive boyfriend at the time who literally like took away everyone from me. So yeah. all I had was my family. Um, and they just loved me through all of my figuring out and searching myself. And they were just like, okay, like we love you. Like, obviously I think one of the best things my mom said to me, which uh, made me actually decide to date my husband. Cause he totally would have been like friend zone material where I was at <laughs> in my life. But one of the things she said to me is she said, Tess messes attract messes. Because I kept saying, like, why do these people keep coming into my life that are, like, just crappy people? And, like, why do these things keep happening? Because, like, I'm a good person at heart. And mm-hmm. why does this keep happening? And she just said, test messes attract messes. And I had to sit with that and go, oh, crap, I'm the mess. <laughs> like, I'm the mess. I really had to identify that. And I'll say, like, as I, because um, after I had my my oldest son, he turns eight next month. As I had him, um, trauma starts to come back, right? Like, no, nobody told me about that. Like, when you have a baby, like, trauma comes back. And so I had to deal with some of the childhood abuse that I dealt with, the abuse I went through in relationships. And I I had to start going to therapy. And I started to have to deal with those messes because, like, they were put in place for read, like everything I went through, all the hardships I've gone through, I didn't have the proper tools to handle situations, right? Like, and so it was easier to turn to alcohol. It was easier to call myself a failure and just to fall off the, fall off the wagon. And instead of actually know how to pick up tools and start to heal yourself because mm-hmm. healing yourself, that's actual work. Yeah. That's, that's, that's hard. Right, right. So when you got divorced, was that like, so tell me a little bit more about that. Like after you get divorced, like that conscious choice that you're going to take your garments off and like, I am going this way and I'm leaving that behind. Like what, tell me more about like how that felt and what that was like. Yeah. So I, um, we had been married for I think a year and a half and I ended up having an affair in that time. Um, and that it was so uncharacteristic of me at like, I was literally in a job where everybody was having affairs, everyone. Mm -hmm. And so it like everything happened. I was like, this is not who I am. And so it made it easier to walk away from the church because outside of the church, that's, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, it's not fully okay, but right. like, it's not looked like, oh, now you're a sinner type thing. So I was like, oh, this will be, it'll be easier to walk away. It'll mm-hmm. be easier to drink. It'll just be easier to just be done with all my covenants because it'll hurt less. Yeah. Right. And, um, in that we, we eventually decided we weren't going to work on our marriage at all. 
and um, which I was like, okay, that's fine. Like we're, I'm just going to walk away and I'm going to start my own life. And I remember that day we went inside, like it hadn't affected me. It wasn't like, I was like, oh, no big deal. Until we went to go sign the divorce papers together. And I was literally, I got my car, (laughs) the rudest thing of all things that could happen in my car. As I turned my car on, on the radio was our wedding song. And I was like, (laughs) no. And I just started bawling because like it did, I was like, oh, like it's no big deal. We just known each other for like a couple years. Like I, I, I just like, it never really hit me until that moment. Everything I was losing, like I was losing my covenants. I was losing like, and again, it, it, it felt better to rather than heal rather than go through that journey. But at the same time, like, as I started dating people, I wanted to date and marry people that had high standards. Mm-hmm. And the problem was I wasn't finding those men. Yeah. I was finding, I was, I was finding really in a, like, I was like, I'm never going to meet someone I want to marry at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so then that's why I started surrounding myself with like, okay, I'm going to start dating like other LDS people, even though I'm kind of in a faith crisis. And I'm grateful that I met my husband in that time frame, who let me be in that, mm-hmm. let me go like figure that out for myself, but also that he had high enough standards to go like, I'm not going to tolerate this either. Yeah. Like right. I, he's like, I, I have, I want this for my life. I want this for my wife, for the mother of my children one day. And like he, he knew I was capable of that mm-hmm. more than I think I even did in that time. Yeah. For sure. So when you were going through like faith crisis, all of that, was that like, like, were you like questioning the, if the church was true, were you questioning that? Or were you more like, I know the church is true, but I'm just like, like, what did that look like? Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people, especially, I feel like a lot of people today are like, I'm walking away because I I don't believe in the church at all anymore. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, I know the church is true and that's why it's so painful to stay. Yeah. And that's even then like the people I was hanging out with that were very like anti LDS and like, they'd be like, the church isn't true. Or they'd be sad. And I'd be like, the church is true. Like, I know that. Yeah. And they're like, well, why are you living this life then? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because I don't deserve, Mm -hmm. like, I truly didn't believe I deserved God's love. Mm-hmm. and which now after having children I'm like oh that's like the farthest thing that could ever like my kids could do nothing and make me not love them right. and I think extru- like having children made me truly understand God's love for me my mom's love for me my, my my family's love for me but yeah during that time it was always like I know it's true mm-hmm. I just it's not for me mm-hmm. because I'm yeah. not worthy. And isn't it interesting when you step away from the church and you see people that are in the church, like with a glow around them, it's like you're drawn to them because they feel safe and they feel yeah. like home. And um, I think that, you know, it's, it, it is exactly what you said. It's like, you want to push the church away because you feel too guilty and you feel like I don't fit in, in this box. I don't fit. I can't do it or whatever, but you're still so like drawn to the security and the safety and the 
just the overall light that the church brings. And I've heard that common theme in a lot of podcast episodes as well. And I've experienced that myself that like, it just, it's like what feels like home coming home. And um, it's, that's what it sounds like you kind of experienced as well. Yeah. And I will say like, it was never easy to come back. Um, but that feeling of peace, I never could find how hard I searched for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was not, I mean, even in my relationship with my husband, it wasn't really there until I was making that active choice to say, okay, I need to, I, I need to deal with my consequences. I need to come back. Mm-hmm. And like, I, it is, it is like home. And that's, there's so many people that are going through faith crises right now. Mm-hmm. And my heart just goes out to them, not because I want to be like, oh, just stay, just stay. Cause I'm like, that's your own journey. You got to figure out, but because I'm like, oh, I just know outside I lost. It it was the feeling of just sheer, like, it feels like when you, you know, when you were little and you like, you lost your mom in a store and you're just frantically looking for her and you're like, she's got to be here somewhere Uh because she wouldn't have left without me. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what I always felt like. It always felt that, that high anxiety that like, oh my gosh, because like the consequences were so much bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're dealing with like uh, me going to, to work hungover or me driving and going, I hope I didn't have like too much to drink. Yeah. You know, like those are consequences I never, ever in my entire life had to deal with as part of a member of the church. Right. And never, never had to, I never had to deal with, oh my gosh, I wonder if I'm pregnant Mm -hmm. and how scary that would be. I never had to deal with any of those questions when I was imperfectly following the church. Right. Yeah, guidelines. 100% can relate to that. I always think to myself, like, how inspired is it that the church says don't drink alcohol? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's just, there's so many things, so many problems and so many um, things that are avoided by just not drinking alcohol. Like, um, I, I mean, and nothing against people that do drink alcohol because I drank alcohol and was a raging alcoholic for years. And, but I think you can just avoid so many potential life consequences by not drinking. And there are people that aren't like you and I that can drink socially and be completely normal. And that's great. But like, there is always that chance that things can go really wrong and, head in the complete opposite direction that you want them to go. And so like, I find it very fortunate that that is part of what we believe in is to not drink alcohol and also getting sober. It's nice to be able to go to an entire group of people that don't drink. And it's like, Oh, I got a whole group of people here that doesn't drink. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to worry. Cause like that is, I, I remember once when I was celebrating like my fifth year sober that someone commented, um, she had been someone I drank with mm-hmm. and she commented on like, you're just being an attention seeker. You weren't really an alcoholic. You aren't like and all these things. And I was like, okay, number one, you don't know what I was going yeah. through, but number two, I didn't just like come back to the church and magically like all that temptation was taken away. Right. I never, ever, ever had the temptation to drink Mm -hmm. until I was met with, I could either drink and let go of all those feelings 
or I could just not drink. And finally, I had been asked that question so many times. I was like, it's it, it, the pain is too much. I'd rather drink. Yeah. But I'm like, now I have to deal with every single day that temptation Mm -hmm. and I don't think that people truly understand Mm -hmm. unless you have had an addiction what it is like Mm -hmm. to battle that because it's not just like oh I would love some wine to wind down at the end of the night no it's like I would love a bottle of wine and to be passed out for two days there's no, like right. with that addiction, there's no, mm-hmm. I just would like a sip. I just would like, no, there's yeah. none of that. It right. literally, That's... I went cold turkey yep. and Black I had and to make that decision. Yep. How do you deal today? Like, obviously there's things that come up that are challenging and, you know, you have to face them head on. How do you deal with hard things today and keep your faith and like choose to go in on the right path instead of going down the wrong path? Like what, how does that how do you do that today? Oh, I love that. I love that question. And that's, um, for me, I think one of the biggest ones surrounding myself with people who know my struggles, who would like genuinely know that this is something like that would be a struggle for me. Um, and being able to, to have those honest conversations. Like I've, I've literally told my husband, like, you don't know how hard I fought the temptation just to go get a drink today. <laughs> like to go literally like, just be like, I'm just gonna leave the kids at home and go drive and go grab myself a beer at this point. I don't even care. And my husband who literally has like, he's only accidentally had a drink when he was like a teenager and something was in his drink one time. Like my husband has the faith to move mountains and I'm yeah. over here like, I had to fall off to come back. Yeah, But like, mm-hmm. I, like I have... I have him who he, he's been my rock through everything he has been. He's been through me going to therapy. He's been through, uh, he's been through my healing. So like having him, having friendships of people that truly understand. And then I think being able to have some humor to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not just, like, I can just be like, you know, I would love to have some wine like that right now, but I don't do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and being honest with it, that it was, it was an actual addiction. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not like when I, and when I bring it up and like, I'm okay to be like, Oh, like people are having alcohol or whatever. But I'd like, I have to be very clear that I don't drink because I'm an alcoholic, not because I'm a member of the church of Jesus (laughs) Christ. Right. That's two separate things. It's so true. Like I, I mean, I can relate so much and my work is, uh, in, I actually work for a software company in the addiction recovery space. And so I am fortunate enough for people to just be super open about like, yeah, I'm in recovery and it's no big deal. But I think one of the things that is so awesome about like going through these things is that you can be really open about like, yeah, I went through this and I chose to come back and I did this because I wanted to, not because it was the culturally appropriate thing, not because I was pressured by my parents, but because I felt like I wanted to come back and I chose that for myself. And I think that's such a powerful moment when you can choose for yourself that you want to be all in in the church because you want to experience the fruits of being all in and committing. And so I love that. I did when you were first coming back, was it really hard for you? Like, did you feel ashamed coming back and like, 
I struggled with alcohol. I had an affair. Like, what was that like coming back and like sharing those things with the bishop? And like, what, did you have a lot of shame surrounding that or? So, um, yes and no. My bishop that I had, because I just moved back to my mom's ward, um, was like someone I've known since like I was a little girl. So that was kind of hard to like go through all of that with him and especially to go through like being disfellowshipped. But that was the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my life um, to be able to be to go into a meeting where these men just they truly just want what's best for you. Um, so that, that Bishop actually was the one that ended up marrying me and my husband. Um, so it was a really like special thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I believe he even came to our ceiling a year later, even though like we weren't in the same area. Um, I think one of the best things that happened during that time frame. So my husband lived, I lived in Layton, Utah at the time, and my husband lived in Utah County. And so that's about like an hour away from each other. Um, so when we decided to get married, when we got married, I moved in with him and I moved away from everything. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the best thing I could do for myself. Cause I can't imagine if I would have stayed like stayed around yeah. everything at that time that was normal. So to be able, like, it was literally like I picked up my life and I shifted it. And so I made the conscious decision to like, okay, now that I'm in a new life, mm -hmm. I have to pick things that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I like, I met my best friends that I've had for years. Like I, I made jobs. I made sure like it, I made conscious decisions. And so the best thing I did for myself was move away yeah. from all of it. Yeah. Because it's too much temptation. Right, right. I And doesn't it feel like so liberating to be able to have the power to like create the life that you want? Like you're not in chains to alcohol anymore. You have like this, you have the ability to choose what you want in your life and you're not like a slave to addiction. Absolutely. Well, and um, I think it was great to move away and to start my life differently because so many people are like, oh, wow, like you're totally different than you were six months ago, than right. you were a year ago. Mm -hmm. And like, I just want to say like, that was the point. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the point. Like, I wasn't like, even though people assumed I was happy or I was mm -hmm. having fun right. with quotation marks around it, I was never fully happy. Right. And like, that's why I don't think people really understood is when I left, it was to pick up joy again. Right. Like, because I was in the depths of despair and because people were dealing with their own depths and struggles, nobody noticed me. Right. Right. And I, I, I needed to pick myself up with my savior and be able to be like, okay, what am I worth? Because at that time, for years even after, until um, it was probably like three years after, I still struggled to think God didn't love me, mm -hmm. that I wasn't worthy. Yeah. I still It wasn't like, oh, I know God loves me. I got a sign. I came back to the church and everything was perfect and sunshiny right. and roses. It was, no, I still fought for years of that guilt, of that struggle for years to figure myself out. And it took me going to therapy and really like one of the best things I did is I went in to talk to a bishop and he said to me, he's like, you're not dealing with addiction. You are dealing with trauma. 
He's like, you don't need a bishop. You need a therapist. And I love that he said that. And he's like, hey. Um, yeah. Because like, that's it. As I think we were taught so much, like you go to your bishop and your mm-hmm. bishop and the bishop's like, I can't heal this. This is like childhood wounds that you like yeah. the reason you keep messing up or stumbling on your journey isn't because of like Satan and sin. It is because of wounds and right. trauma. Mm-hmm. And you literally was like, this is the therapist you're going to, and I'm paying for it because wow. you need therapy. Wow. And like <laughs> that was, that was the life-changing moment. That's when I really so stepped cool. in, I think fully to my power to realize God loved me because I was in a room filled of other people who had been abused as children. And they were talking about how worthless they were mm-hmm. and how much they didn't deserve anything. And I was looking at all these women who had also been abused and who were just the most beautiful women that had just these beautiful lights and telling me how worthless they were. And as I sat there and thought, oh my gosh, these are the most beautiful, amazing women and they have no idea. I had the spirit just speak to me and said, and that's how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And from then on, that's when I chose to love myself. And chose myself to see myself as a daughter of God, not just someone who's guilty or someone that's a sinner or something like I am a child of God. Mm-hmm. And that's where I can go. I see it now. And that's when the healing really started to take place for me. Wow. That is so beautiful. I love that. Um, so tell me what are some things that you do like on a daily basis or weekly basis or whatever that keeps your testimony strong and just keeps you grounded? Uh, I would say I probably had a shaky foundation um, up until like probably midway through this year even um, where I knew I was supposed to be part of the church, but I still like <laughs> the last couple of years has been rough. Right. <laughs> and I feel like it's bombarded so many things, but I feel like it's also gotten to the point where like you have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just like, you can't sit on the fence anymore. You can't just be neutral. You, you actually need to choose where you stand. And I remember like my husband asking me, cause my husband, he also has a, a, a LDS podcast. Like he is very, like, he just speaks how it is. And mm-hmm. I'm over here. Like, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you need to make, like, you need to decide what you actually want. Mm-hmm. And I remember that night praying, And just being like, okay, like I'm going to take a step. And so at that point it was, I'm going to start reading my scriptures every single night. And I have, I've kept that up for the last six months. And like that, just having the scriptures or having, um, let's see, what are those called? Uh, Like from the enzyme, from having like Mm -hmm. any type of talk, um, the don't miss this, that like starting to add those things and making sure number one, my my um what's that called when you at the beginning of the year my new year's resolution this year was to be in tune that was my word of the year I was just gonna be in tune and that meant in tune with myself in tune with those that know more than me and in tune with my God and so I my two goals this year were to pray every single day and to um to read 10 pages of personal development every day and halfway through the year I added scriptures to that um, but I will say setting that actual intention of prayer and kneeling down and requiring it probably led me to being able to be like, okay, 
now I'm ready to read the scriptures. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to add, come follow me. Mm-hmm. And I'm adding things instead of saying like, okay, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to weekly go to the temple. I'm going to weekly, like yeah. adding everything at the same yeah. time. Right? Mm-hmm. It's those little things because they make a difference. Like me reading 10 pages a day this whole year, I've almost read 70 books. Wow. And so I'm like, why do I think I need to lift a boulder when mm-hmm. I can just be carrying a rock? <laughs> yeah. And so just making those little differences. So I'm like, the first thing was prayer. The second thing is really immersing myself, maybe instead of the word of others and their thoughts and their testimonies and their opinions, and then actually going to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Because I think we keep, we're like, oh, we don't understand the scriptures, so we don't turn to them. Yeah. And I'm like, literally wrote this like for us (laughs) today. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What is the name of your husband's podcast? Um, so it's called Mormon Patriot Project. Okay. It's his. So yeah, his whole goal is to just get people back to like their American roots and yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Well, now let's check it out. I shared your podcast with him too. I was like, you need to go follow this girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Well, do you have any final words of wisdom for us or thoughts or anything you want to share? Um, I think just the biggest thing is like, no matter where you're sitting, no matter what you're trying to figure out, um, God's there. He's been there the whole time. Um, no matter what you've done, no matter, like, if you think you are the biggest sinner on this earth, (laughs) he's there and he's just like waiting for you and he loves you. And that is the thing that's going to grow your testimony, that grow yourself the most is to recognize, like, if you could look at your, your son or your daughter and look at them and go, oh my gosh, like, they just used permanent marker on my brand new couch or like they just told me that they hate me or they just dropped my brand new dish and it's broken. If you can look at your child in that moment and go, Oh my gosh, I hate that you did this, but you could never hate them. You could never turn your heart away from your child ever no matter the circumstances, you love them to your core. And that is truly just a tiny bit of God's love for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that the world's trying not to talk about right now. Yeah, I agree. And I, I thought for the longest time, I'm just going to stay quiet and I don't want to talk about this and I don't. And then I started to realize how many people were also struggling to know that God loved them. Mm -hmm. And so it's time, it's time to share God's love for each of us. I love that so much. Well, Tess, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are such a light and I just, I appreciate you so much and you have such a beautiful story. So thank you so much for being on. Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. 
I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.